You're listening to Just Another Fanboy Presents The Death of Superman, and this is episode number five, Doomsday is Here. Hello and welcome to Just Another Fanboy Presents The Death of Superman. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and again, we don't have an introduction this week, folks. That's okay, right? We don't have to have one. Every week. We will have one next week, however, because next week is a big week, and I'll be handling that introduction myself. And hey, if you want to submit an introduction that we can use as a cold opening for a future episode, all you have to do is record yourself answering this question. Where were you when Superman died? Then send the file over to me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. And just make sure to include in that email how you want to be identified on the episode, where the listeners can find you online, and any podcast or project that you would like me to plug. I, of course, reserve the right to refuse any submission because I'm not going to be plugging a podcast or a website that's full of hate speech or really full of anything that I may deem offensive. And again, folks, it's my podcast I'm the one who gets to make that call. Now, you can find more information in the Where Were You When Superman Died bonus episode, which you can find right here on this feed. All right. So today we have entered week five of the Death of Superman epic crossover event, which means we're looking at Superman, Man of Steel, issue number 19. This issue hit the stands this week, 30 years ago. On November 10th, 1992, it had a cover price of $1.25, and the title of this issue is Doomsday is Here. It was written by Louise Simonson, pencils by John Bogdanov, inks by Dennis Janke, the colorist was Glenn Whitmore, and the letterer was Bill Oakley. Now, once again, DCFandom.com has failed me when it comes to the synopsis that was written for this issue, because... We just have one sentence, Doomsday and Superman's fight has reached Metropolis and is nearing the end. All right, that's all we got, folks. Thank you for joining us this week. And that, I mean, again, basically, yes, that is true. And it actually speaks to the title of this issue. And we've had a lot of titles so far in the first five weeks that uh, refer to Doomsday coming, right? It's like Doomsday is coming. Countdown to Doomsday, Doomsday is near, and now we have Doomsday is here. And this whole time, Doomsday's front and center in the books, right? So basically what these titles are referring to is that Doomsday is coming to Metropolis. Doomsday is near Metropolis. And then in this issue, Doomsday is here in Metropolis. So again, we have basically your big continuation of the knockdown drag out fight between Doomsday and Superman. At this point, if you remember from last week, Doomsday had come across a television commercial for a big wrestling event, uh, War Bash 9000, I think it was called. And while up to that point, Doomsday had been portrayed as a single-minded monster hell-bent on just walking the earth uh, in a straight line and destroying anything that got in its path or just anything that caught its eye. We learned last week that there may be a little bit more to Doomsday. Not much, 
but a little bit more. Uh, he seems to seek out, I guess, uh, something that he can fight or that might provide him with some kind of contest, which is why the commercial for Warbash 9000 piqued his interest because there were obviously um, fighters of much stature involved, uh, somewhat like a gladiatorial arena. And Doomsday apparently wanted to be a part of that. And we learn as we open up this issue that, you know, as we've been following Doomsday for the last four weeks up to week five, much of his forward motion, much of his locomotion has been him walking. He's done some leaping now and again, but in essence, he's been kind of walking along, um, leaving this path of destruction behind him, tearing down anything that stood in his way, making small leaps now and again. But as this issue opens up, if we remember the last issue last week, he left Action Comics 684 uh, leaping away from a sign that said Metropolis 60 miles and then landing atop a sign that said Metropolis 50 miles and then leaping back into the air. So once his mind was set on getting to Metropolis, the walking part of his journey was done. He was He's now in a hurry. And as we open up Man of Steel issue number 19, we learn that, well, the way Lois puts it, because we get some narration throughout this issue Throughout the fight, you have Lois and Jimmy overhead in a Daily Planet helicopter, and she is dictating her news article. And so the first two boxes, text boxes we get in this issue is Lois saying, the monster called Doomsday abandoned the furrow of destruction he plowed through Ohio and western New York State and headed in 10-mile leaps toward the East Coast and Metropolis. So... Doomsday obviously has his mind set on getting to Metropolis, and now he's trying to get there as quickly as possible. Um, with this issue, we have now gone down to two panels per page, and I have found that one might think that laying out a comic book page of just two panels might seem a bit boring. There's only so much you can do with layouts and two panels, but I think John Bogdanov does a fairly good job of mixing it up. He doesn't just put one panel on the top, one panel on the bottom, and then one panel on the left and one panel on the right. He's he's mixing it up. He's got one big panel with a small panel inside the big panel. He's, he's doing different things. And uh, I found that a little refreshing. Now, this first page, of course, again, two panels with Lois's narration. And Doomsday is now in the, the outskirts of Metropolis, basically. And he is tearing up a construction site. And we have a very brutal second panel on this page where Doomsday is standing over the body of a man that he has already beaten to death. He has blood on his right fist and there is blood on the back of the man that's laying on the ground or, or actually the way he's laying, it looks like he's, he's laying on his back. You can't see his head though. And then he has another guy in his other hand. He has the other construction worker by his head and his head is being twisted at an unnatural angle, and there is a sound effect there that says crack. So Doomsday has just beat a man to death, probably with one punch to the face, uh, based on the blood and the way the guy's laying and the, the blood that splattered on the floor, on the, on the ground and the dirt around him. 
and he's breaking the neck of another man just all in this second panel on the first page of this comic. It's pretty brutal. And of course, he's saying, Metropolis. And uh, the guy whose neck he is breaking actually tries to speak, Metropolis, it said Mitt Crack. And that's when he dies. And we've known, of course, you, you, you can't have read the past four weeks without understanding that Doomsday has killed people. They mention it. But I feel almost th- this panel is probably the most brutal and bloody we've seen so far. We we literally see a guy getting his neck broken and we have another guy uh, surrounded laying in a pool of his own blood. We get a two page spread that is still two panels and we have Doomsday tossing aside the dude whose neck he has broken just as Superman flies into Doomsday's back. He's got the two fists out in front of him and he just slams right into Doomsday's back and says, forget it, Doomsday, your rampage stops here. And it's a great, it's a great panel. Um, I mentioned when in, in episode one, I think is when we talked about Man of Steel issue 18 and I talked about John McDonough and his art and how uh, he's probably my second favorite of the artist's in the uh, of these art teams doing these books and this panel helps cement him in that spot because uh it's a it's a great panel. So we have this whole thing going on while Superman and Doomsday are fighting. Superman of course is trying to stop him. It almost seems like he's he's more trying to just get him out of Metropolis at first than 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 trying to stop him. And we have a lot of news helicopters overhead. And at one point Jimmy makes this comment that uh, he's getting some great shots because he's the photographer for the Daily Planet. He's getting some great shots and that it must be his lucky year because these shots that he's getting are, are the best he's ever gotten. And I remember reading this the first time through. And when I read it again today, my first thought was, wow, <laughs> Jimmy, that's pretty callous. You know, Superman's out there fighting for his life fighting for the lives of everybody in Metropolis, and you're patting yourself on the back for being able to, you know, feeling lucky enough for this situation to arise because you're getting some great shots. And then he follows it up with, don't sweat it, Lois, he's Superman, right? And you realize that Jimmy isn't being callous. He's not a callous person. He, like everybody else that's watching this uh, on the TV, basically, because at this point, uh, I'm sure the world... Uh, are all glued to their television sets watching this, but everyone just assumes that Superman's going to win because he always does. Superman's going to save them and there's nothing to worry about. It's just something fun to watch on TV. And that kind of helps to nail down one of the basic premises or the big point the, the, the writing teams are trying to make with this crossover event is that you know, I talked about this in episode zero. The The reason they decided to kill him off is because they feel like the uh, the people who live within the DC universe and the readers, those of us who are reading these books, have gotten to the point where we have taken Superman for granted. We know he's going to win. He always wins. Nothing can stop him. And so we're never, nobody's ever worried. And uh they want to show the world that Superman is vulnerable and they want to show the world what it would be like without Superman for a bit. And this is one of these moments in this issue that kind of helps nail that home to a bit. Uh, because there's also a moment 
where we flash over to Smallville and we see Jonathan and Martha Kent huddled together on the couch, holding each other in fear of their their son watching this on TV. And Martha even points out that the TV reporters are being very callous. Their son is being beaten to a pulp and these TV reporters are treating it like entertainment. And Jonathan, ever the voice of reason, reminds her that, you know, he may be their son, but to the world, he's Superman. And they're not trying to be callous. It's just that they don't think anything bad can happen to Superman. And uh, it's a very nice panel to include at this point in the story. Um, I don't think we've seen, I I, I believe this is the first time in these five weeks that uh, we know for a fact that Jonathan and Martha are watching this on TV, which is really quite heartbreaking, especially if you're a parent and you have to sit there in another town and watch your son uh, put his life on the line to help others. And you really don't know. I mean, as a parent, you just, you don't, you're always going to fear the worst. And while everybody else in the world is, is watching this at the same time that Jonathan and Martha are watching this and everybody else in the world doesn't have any fear or any worry uh, that something, you know, nothing bad's going to happen to Superman. He always comes out in the end. Jonathan and Martha are very worried because that's her, that's, that's their, that's their baby boy. And so that was a, it's almost a, it's, it's like a, a very sobering moment in what is uh, a very big budget popcorn movie type issue. Uh, we also meet Double X, uh, I believe for the first time in this crossover. Uh, he is part of the Cadmus Project. He is uh, what he refers to as a DN alien, uh, whatever that is. Uh, I am, was brand new to Cadmus and Double X or Double X or however you pronounce his stupid name um, and DN aliens and all that stuff. I was new to all of this with the death of Superman storyline. There, there, there wasn't any of that. I don't remember any of that being in John Burns Superman and. I actually had stopped reading comics, or at least DC comics, before Byrne left, I believe, because I don't remember Byrne introducing Supergirl into uh, post-crisis Superman. I don't remember that at all, so I must have stopped reading. And again, I believe I explained at one point that while I had read a few DC issues post-crisis, these were books that my older brother was getting. I didn't actually start going into a comic book store and starting my own pull list and purchasing my own books until maybe 90, 91, somewhere around there. I was still fairly new to actually picking up my own books each week when when uh, this event came out. And I wasn't, I, you know, this, this event is what brought me back to DC Comics because I wasn't really reading a lot. Uh, throughout my whole history of reading comics, which has been very off and on, um, you know, I read comics from the 80s to the mid to late 90s, and then I stopped. And then I got back into comics, in, you know, around 2005, 2006. And I read, I don't know, until 2010, 2011. Maybe I got, I went that that long with it. I know it was it wasn't long after I stopped podcasting that first time around, which would have been around 2009-2010 that I kind of got out of comics again because I couldn't afford it. And then thanks to digital and Hoopla, I got back into comics um I don't know, 5 6 years ago. But during each of those 
spans of time in which I was reading comics, I was always reading Marvel comics. I was in and out of DC, however. It's only just recently that I'm reading way more DC than Marvel. I don't, I, I rarely read a new Marvel book these days. There's just something about Marvel comics that's just not doing it for me. But what I'm trying to say is Double X, the, the Cadmus Project, DN Aliens, all that stuff is, is brand new to me um, when I started reading this back in 92. And I don't believe I read too far after this event was over once the crossover was over in 93. Uh, I don't know that I read much more Superman. So even today, I, I don't have a lot of experience with who Double X is, what a DNA alien is, the, the Cadmus project. I just know that it, it, it all, everything I know about it ultimately comes from this crossover event. They, they do a lot of cloning. Um, Double X, I, I don't know if he's a clone, but he's, he can read minds. He looks like a goat headed dude, an alien goat type dude. And uh, he comes into this issue speaking to Guardian in Guardian's mind because Guardian is head of security for Cadmus. And he's just checking in to see how Guardian's doing. Guardian's a little, a little, uh, a little out of it. He was, he was there in the previous issue when Superman and Doomsday were fighting uh, in Habitat, which is just above Cadmus, which is underground. And Habitat is a big... Um, like a, a community made of man-made trees, almost. I, I, I think I explained it better in, in, in the last issue. But the whole habitat comes crumbling down atop Superman and Guardian. Superman wakes up first, of course, and takes off after Doomsday. And Guardian is just kind of coming to at this point. So he's, he's kind of dazed. He's trying to figure out where he is. Dublix fills him in. And he voices, or at least through his mind voices concern to Guardian that Doomsday may be one of theirs. There's a couple of times in this issue where a couple of theories are put up in regard to who Doomsday might be or where he may have come from. And it, it's not, it, it, again, if I remember correctly, it's not until sometime after the whole event is over that we ever find out who Doomsday is and, and, and where he came from. And in fact, that may be a topic of discussion. I know that there's a point during this event all of February and pretty much all of March, Mo all of February and most of March. Well, let's just say from February 2nd to April the 6th, there are only two issues that are released that tie into the death of Superman storyline. So there's going to be a number of weeks in there, uh, eight weeks total in which there will be no comics released. And I don't have, you know, I'm not going to podcast during those weeks Unless I come up with ideas for for bonus content, some bonus content could be feedback episodes. If 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 y'all want to provide me with some feedback, but one of the things I thought I would like to talk about during one of those weeks is the uh, they did a, a Doomsday miniseries. I think it was just three issues, but it kind of tells you about the origins where Doomsday came from. So I thought I may I might use that opportunity to fill everybody in if you're not aware of of, of who Doomsday is and where he comes from. But one of the theories at this point is that he is a, uh, a DNA alien or a clone, something created by Cadmus uh, by a guy named Dabney Donovan. We're going to hear more about him and Cadmus as this event moves on. Guardian then asks Double X to, uh, to, to find out, you know, look into Doomsday's mind and tell me what you see. And Double X does so and says that there's nothing 
in his mind, in Doomsday's mind, but anger. Anger and destruction. That's all Doomsday is thinking about. And so as the fight continues, Doomsday ends up somehow underground where the underworlders live. Uh, you remember them from episode one. And he he's basically falling into their home in the sewers where they have three of these uh, war worlders in some sort of prison box. These are the guys that helped orchestrate this uh, revolution, I guess, that uh, to, to try to get the underworlders to come up to the surface and take over the surface world. And so Doomsday lands among these underworlders and immediately punches this prison box, which is uh, see-through, and destroys it, letting these three war worlders free who uh, one of them immediately goes to Doomsday as he's walking away to thank him for setting them free and, you know, starts trying to kind of cozy up to Doomsday. You're, you're kind of like us. We're, we're, you know, we're each champions of our, of our own kind and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And Doomsday just turns around and kill, I, I'm assuming kills all three of them. Again, it's two panels per page. And the second panel is him just casually almost doing a, a backhanded swing and we see blood flying. We see one of the guys falling over and the the second guy of the three who is talking, his words are suddenly cut off. We get a uh, splat, splat, splat as uh, sound effects. And again, blood is flying and the blood in this issue, I will say, is all colored black. That's kind of how they can get away with making a very bloody issue uh, and still probably adhering to the comics code authority. Cause I'm assuming I'm going to have to go look at the, yeah, they got the comics code seal on page one. So they're still trying to adhere to that comics code authority. And the way they do it is that they don't show the blood as red. And you can see it there on the cover as well. If you look at the cover, there's blood all over Superman's face, but it's all black, which to me actually just seems more, creepy and and grotesque black blood but superman arrives then at that point and puts uh comes up from comes up to doomsday from behind and puts him in a like a uh not not quite a headlock i i, I guess it would be a it, it's more of a, a wrestling move looks like like a headlock type of thing where you, you put your arms uh underneath their arms and up around the back of their head and uh we see one of these war wilder guys laying there on the floor you don't see his head uh, where his head should be is a very giant splash of black blood. And I just, again, this is the bloodiest issue so far. A uh, lot of death and destruction in the previous issues, but this one's really, really pouring the blood. There's blood dripping out of this issue. It's just, it's not in every panel, but compared to what we have seen so far, this issue is soaked in blood. So Superman grabs up Doomsday and flies him or tries, attempts to fly him out of the sewers, thinking to himself that Doomsday doesn't fly, he leaps. So Superman probably has the most advantage against Doomsday in the air because Superman can control where he is in the air, whereas Doomsday cannot. But as they are leaving the sewers, Superman realizes that he smells gas and that a gas main must have opened up, and it's at that point that Doomsday kicks out, hooks a, uh, a a bundle of power cables with his foot, rips them open, 
sparks fly and the, the gas main just blows up. And, and again, a great freaking panel of this explosion. The explosion was big enough that one of the reporters, and we're assuming it's Lois, it's coming from, well, actually, it looks like it's just coming from somewhere within the city. Uh, they, whoever this is comments, an explosion or a bomb, it must have leveled all of Newtown. We then get Lex Luthor or Lex Luthor II in his red, long red hair and bushy, mustacheless red beard. Again, uh, I, I believe that they looked into the future, saw me. Uh, they wanted to do a better looking athletic version of me, and they have patterned Lex Luthor II after me. And I, you know, I can't blame him because uh, your boy cleans up really nicely. Anyway, he's holding a press conference and they're they're in his building and it's shaking around them. And he is using this opportunity to lay the blame of Doomsday and all this destruction on Superman. He's putting it out there that Doomsday appears to have a grudge against Superman and that Metropolis doesn't really need the kind of champion who draws such negative attention. And that Superman's presence here, Superman in their city, uh, causes more harm than good. So, you know, just basic, classic Lex taking advantage of Lex Luthor using this tragedy to further his own means or his own agenda, which in this case is to try to create negative sentiment towards Superman. Uh, Supergirl is there with her, and she basically at this point asks, almost asks Lex for permission to go help Superman. She says that she doesn't think Superman can handle it alone. Says, don't be annoyed, Lex, but I have to help him. And it, it's at that point that Lex is like, well, that's very generous. Please do. You you know, we have TV cameras pointed at us, so I have to pretend like uh, I want you to go out there and, and protect this city because in his mind, you know, Supergirl represents him. And if she can go out there and do something while making, you know, that would make Lex Luthor look good and make Superman look bad. He, he at that point is all for it as he's standing in front of a news crew. So Superman, this, uh, you know, this is of course, after the, the gas main has exploded, he's still, uh, holding doomsday from behind. They're up in the air. Doomsday has, uh, at this point, his suit is practically gone. He's wearing basically bike, green biker shorts and green boots, and then just some remnants of the rest of the suit just hanging off of him in various places. And again, he's got a lot of bones poking out uh, in certain areas of his body. He's got the claws that come out of his knuckles. He's got a row of bones that um, go up each forearm. He's got big spikes coming out of his shoulders. He's got what looks like a beard made of bones. He's got the bones that protect his eyes. And then he's got these two big blade-like, scythe-like, pointy bones jutting out of his elbows. And he uses one of these to pierce Superman in the side, causing blood to spurt. Superman kind of groans in agony, and Doomsday is able to throw Superman off of him. And it's at that point that Supergirl arrives and flies straight into Doomsday. And Doomsday uh, takes her out with one punch. He just, he manages to uh, swing around in midair, punch her in the face. And it's at this point in the book where, again, I mentioned it in episode zero, that this is not the version of Supergirl that we knew 
before Crisis on Infinite Earths. And this is not the, the version of Supergirl that we know now. This is actually not even a Kryptonian. She is some sort of protoplasmic matrix, shape-shifting type being that has taken on the role of Supergirl. Doomsday punches her in the face. It's like her face just turns into silly putty. And I had no idea that this, that, you know, who, who this Supergirl was other than just being Supergirl back then in 92 when I read this. And I freaked out a bit when that happened. I did not understand what was happening, why uh, her face just turned into silly putty at that point. It kind of freaked me out. But then on the next page, we see her falling to the ground and she is a completely different person. She is, she's, she's like a a grayish alien, weird looking thing and uh, must be her natural form. I don't know. But as this is happening, we also meet Professor Emile Hamilton and a couple of friends of his, Bibbo, who will be kind of a big part. Uh, at least a big supporting character throughout this um, crossover, especially during the funeral for a friend. He is uh, Superman's biggest fan, and they give him uh, ridiculous dialogue because they they try to write him with some kind of weird, uh, I guess, guy from the city who's not too smart, who grew up on the wrong side of town kind of dialogue. So he says stuff like uh, when he says professor, they spell it per P-E-R-F-E-S-S-E-R, professor. They just they really portray him as a as, as a bit of a like almost an everyman idiot punchy because uh, apparently he was an ex-boxer or something. But he owns a bar and and yeah, he says dis instead of this. And uh, he's one of those characters that I I I rather like, but. I wish they didn't do the dialogue the way they do the dialogue. It's sometimes very difficult to read. Anyway, Professor Hamilton is a big brain type of guy. He's basically the anti-Lex. He doesn't have a lot of money, but he's a super genius. And he tries to create stuff for the benefit of mankind. And he's out on the roof of his building with Bibbo and his girl, Mildred, Hamilton's girl, and a big laser cannon that they're going to use to try to shoot Doomsday out of the sky. And so after Doomsday literally punches Supergirl into another person, Professor Hamilton fires the laser cannon, hits Doomsday in the back, and Doomsday manages to fall right on top of them. They, all three of them, are wearing something that uh, Professor Hamilton has invented called force belts, and they leap off of the building And these force belts, which apparently give them force fields, are going to protect them from the fall. Doomsday pulls himself out of the rubble, and that's when the cops show up. Inspector Dan Turpin and um, Maggie Sawyer. I don't know if she's the chief of police at this point. I I don't remember what her rank is, but they're a big mainstay in the Superman universe. They're basically the Commissioner Gordon and uh, can't remember the other guy's name from Batman. Uh, But they are part of a like a, a, the super crimes unit. I don't know if that's been officially created at this point or if what happens with Doomsday, if the, the special super crimes unit comes out of what happened with Doomsday, but they all are wearing uh, body armor and big giant laser cannons. They're, they're carrying these big laser cannons. So they may be the special uh, super crimes unit at this point. I don't remember if it's special crimes or super crimes, but they open fire on Doomsday. It does absolutely nothing to him. He, uh, you know, starts laying into them and throwing both uh, officers and cars aside. Uh, We see men 
lying in pools of their own blood. Uh, Doomsday tosses Inspector Turpin aside. Superman catches Turpin, tells him to tell Maggie to get everybody out of there because ultimately Superman can't do what he needs to do if he's got to worry about other people. Nobody else is going to be able to stop Doomsday basically at this point. Uh, We get these three guys that come flying in in these weird gliders and green suits with laser guns coming out of the gliders. They are part of uh, Cadmus's uh, weapons expert group. And these gliders are carrying shot cannons, which they fire down upon both Doomsday and Superman. And this is how this issue ends. We got the final page of uh, the top panel, which is the bigger panel of the page of Superman and Doomsday just pummeling each other with these uh, shot cannon power beams falling among them, um, explosions all around. And Superman is saying that Doomsday, he says, your rampage ends here, Doomsday, even if it kills me. And then in the last panel, it's just a close up of his face, which which has black blood all over it. And in his mind, he's saying Metropolis is where I hold the line. And we see that it's going to be continued in Superman number 75 next week, which is the big issue, folks. It's the, the issue that Superman died, Superman number 75. And uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that next week. Um, This issue, of course, felt really short and it really kind of was. I mean, you're ultimately just you got a fight between two dudes um, and each page only has two panels on it. There's there's not a lot that you can do with just two panels per page as far as story uh, without just really cramming it full of text, which doesn't make anybody happy in a story like this. So this issue really kind of flew by. And I'm assuming issue 75 will fly by as well. I mean, looking it up on Mike's Amazing World of Comics, issue 75 does have 48 pages, but those will be, I mean, looking it up on Mike's Amazing World of Comics, Superman number 75 has 32 pages, which is 10 more than your average single issue comic book from the time, but they're all splash pages. So that issue will probably fly by as well. Um, but really enjoyed this one, despite, uh, sitting down to read it and getting to that last page and going, Oh, that's, (laughs) that's it. Like three minutes later. Okay. Um, it was still, again, it's a lot of fun at this point. And there's a lot of themes that they're kind of burying in there. And the, the one being the, the big one at this point being the theme that, It's very obvious based on how the media is treating this that um, the world takes Superman for granted and everybody assumes at this point that Superman is going to stop the monster and he's going to be okay. Uh, There is uh, one moment in the book where Superman cracks Doomsday a fresh one in the jaw, punches him square in the jaw, and we get a bit of uh, broken teeth and some blood. I think it's the first time we see Doomsday bleed. So far in in the five weeks of this series, Superman's been freaking bleeding all over the place and has been showing obvious signs of fatigue, whereas Doomsday um, has not shown any adverse effects from this fight at all, except for that one panel where we see uh, a bit of blood flying from his mouth when Superman punches him. And we get the feeling here at the end of this issue that Superman is, is no longer holding back. And uh, I guess we'll see. We'll we'll find out in the in the next issue if he still um, if he if you feel at this point that he is now giving it his all. He's going at it one hundred percent. 
He's not holding back in any fashion. But I feel like my memory is kind of tugging at me that there is a moment in issue 75 where he's like, all right, I, I now I finally got to really open it up. I got to, you know, there's no holding back at this point. But that may be more of I'm giving it everything I've got at this point, but now I've got to try to find a little bit more, you know, kind of like that Rocky moment. But I'm just super excited as I read these books um, because this there, you know, this event is told ultimately in four acts. Act number one is six weeks long and is basically the death of Superman. And it ends when Superman dies. The second act is funeral for a friend, which is a bit more boring. Um, I don't think it's very long. The funeral for a friend, it, it may be shorter than the death of Superman. Um, but it's just a lot of people mourning. What are we going to do? Uh, this is what the world is now. A lot of that. And, uh, you know, it's, there's some drama in there and it's sad. And, uh, but it's, it's like the one, if, if I could, if I wanted to, if I wanted to make myself skip any part of this event, it would be funeral for a friend. Cause I feel like it gets a bit slow during that area, uh, during that part. And that's, you know, any movie you're going to have in which your main character loses in the first act and then has to come back in the third act and, and win the whole thing. The second act is going to be a little slow. Uh, that's just the way it is. But the, the third act in this, in this event will be the, the reign of the Superman, which we get four new characters who may or may, one of them may or may not be Superman reincarnated or cloned or the, the spirit of Superman or, or something. And, and uh, then we get the, the actual return of Superman, but, I'm just really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm at that moment in the series and the, in the, in the event that's just really the, the adrenaline is pumping and, uh, everything is just big and bombastic and, uh, it's going to culminate next week. I've already talked about the art quite a bit in this, uh, episode. Uh, I'm really did enjoy it. There, there is something I've noticed about John Bogdanov and, uh, he gives Superman a bit of a big nose compared to the way Everybody else draws Superman. And I feel like I had watched a video or read something at one point that there, there was a time in DC's comic history where I think it was when Jack Kirby came to DC that anytime he did a book that featured Superman or had Superman in it, DC would have somebody go in and redo Superman's face. They had like these guidelines. Superman's nose could only be so big and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And, and uh, that's definitely not the case now because John McDonough gives him quite the honker. He's got, he's got a big nose compared to uh, how the rest of the, the creative teams or most people <laughs> draw Superman. And there's something massively appealing about that. I just, I love it so much. I just, there's, there's something about John McDonough's Superman the the broad shoulders and the big nose that I the, and and the almost squinty eyes at times he has these squinty eyes and I just I love it so much just look at the cover you know if you haven't read this yet uh just I mean even if you're you know if you're not planning on reading it whatever just look at the cover Superman Man of Steel issue number nineteen and you'll see what I'm talking about when it comes to Superman's nose and his squinty eyes it's just I the, I just I love it there's there's something about it that I that I love so much and and uh, yeah I can't believe that I've taken Ultimately, what was a, a comic book issue that took me three minutes to read and and I've made it made an episode that's well, at this point, I'm almost an hour. Who knows what it's going to be like once I edit it down. But and because of that, I should probably just wrap this all up. So uh, I want to thank you all for listening. 
to today's episode of Just Another Fanboy Presents. If you want to drop me a line, ask me a question, provide me with a bit of feedback, or just tell me how dogs make you feel deep down in your heart, you can email me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com, or you can use the Just Another Fanboy voice line, which will be there in the show notes, and uh, you can use that to leave me a voicemail or even send me a text message, one of these text messages that the kids love using so much these days. Just make sure if you text me, let me know who you are because I can't use your feedback, right? I mean, I'll use your feedback. If you send me feedback and you don't tell me who you are, that's fine. I'll still use it. I'll just say somebody texted me. But, you know, if you want me to credit your feedback to you, let me know who you are. You can also reach out to me on Twitter by using the handle at Stephen or else or join in on all the fun over at the message boards by going to forum.justanotherfanboy.com. And hey, if you feel inclined to throw a little support my way because podcasting ain't free, you can join the Patreon for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Stephen R or. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to get you podcast episodes just like this one before anybody else gets them. And again, that's anybody but you and your fellow patrons. I also invite you to subscribe to the Stephen Says Stuff newsletter. This is a free Substack where I will send you every podcast episode I create each and every week right to your inbox the morning that they are released. Beyond all that, I would sure as heck love it if you rated and reviewed the show if that option is available wherever you get your podcasts. All of the links I mentioned, the email address, the phone number, it's all going to be listed in your show notes. So join me back here next week for week number six of The Death of Superman. I'm actually going to be talking about two books that week. Two books were released for this crossover event in week six. That was uh, Superman number 75 and Justice League of America number 70. So yeah, make sure you're here for all of that. Bye. Bye.